it's amazing to be in the presence of the Lord, and it's amazing to be in the presence of our family, of each other. I'm just so thankful. Can we get the prayer list up there on the screen? We're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for this service, and and uh, you know, there's some there's some real deal there's some real deal deals going on in our community and amongst people we know, and and uh, let's just pray over it right now. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we love you, and we don't deserve any of it. We are lost without you. We can't fix anything. We can't accomplish anything. All we can do is create more destruction. But through you there is life and there is healing and there are miracles. Your power is unlimited. And Father, right now I just lift up those on the list. There's so many and their needs are so heavy. And Father, I just, I specifically ask, I just, in my heart of hearts right now, Angie Kaiser's mama, they're really struggling down there in Oklahoma City, and I just, I just lift her up to you. I just pray for her and Angie and her brother and her sister and all of them. Father, I just pray that you'd do a mighty work. Right here and amongst us, I just thank you for bringing, for bringing those that have been gone and been gone through trials and illness you know we have so many in our presence right now that are only here by a miracle they were lost in the bondage of an illness they were lost in the bondage of a addiction they were lost in the bondage of sin we've all been that way one way or another but we're here in your presence through a miracle we praise you for that We praise you for rescuing us. We praise you for loving us so much that you would bring us here. Father, I also lift up my special friend, Charlie Hicks, to you. I pray you're the same as you were when you called Lazarus out of the tomb. And right now, I just pray that you would restore his kidneys, that they would be healed. I know he ain't going to live in this body, in this form forever. But I know of your power. Father, I just pray that you would do a mighty, mighty work in his body. He's been so important to me personally. And Father, each and every other person in here, we all got somebody. And they're either getting older or they're lost or they're sick or they're broke or they're addicted. Father, I just lift up each and every one of those situations to you. We're in awe that anything could be done. But we know that you're more than capable. We just ask that you would do a crazy, amazing work. And Father, I also ask right now as I'm praying, I just ask that your spirit would be just flood in this place. That each and every one of us would be inspired, that we would be changed because of the message that you've laid on Justin's heart. Father, I just pray that you would just pour out of him like running water, like living water, because that's what you are. I just pray that you would flow out of this place, that you impact each of us, that would in turn impact our community, that would in turn impact our state, that it would in turn impact our nation, that would absolutely impact our world, and that it would start right here, right now. 
in your presence. Amazing, a mighty miracle that we can't do without you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name, the name above all names. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want, you know, as I stand before you, I was thinking, of, really, I've thought a lot about it lately. And, and uh, coming up soon, there's going to be a message on it. But, and next week, if you haven't watched... If you haven't watched or listened to, I guess is the right term, if you haven't listened to uh, the message on just about living, you need to because next week is going to be the sequel. And uh, it'll be a lot easier to do that message next week justice if you know where we're coming from from that week. And and, uh, there's just been amazing miracles happen through the... the, uh, tragedy of Dalton O'Gorman and, and uh, what we see as tragedy but life is coming out of that and it's it's amazing and I can't wait to tell you about it but I, I think about those divine appointments you know and that all how come I'm even involved in that particular situation is because Gracie my youngest daughter felt called to go to college down there she was she was looking at colleges and she didn't know what she wanted to be or where she wanted to go. And I wasn't very supportive. I mean, I just wasn't. I'm like, if, if you want to go to college and find yourself, there is a lot of ways to do that that don't cost me as much, near as much money as that's going to cost. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just being really honest about how it, how it started. She was wanting to go somewhere and do the thing that kids do. And I was just soon she went to work or went to Australia or anything, but... You know, I mean, really, go rodeo. But when she went down there, she met with those coaches, and they were godly men. And she called me on the phone on the way home from there. And all of a sudden, I got it. It was about calling. She was called to be there. She wasn't, she wasn't going to find herself. She was called to be in that place amongst those people. And it was amazing the first two years. And, and, and I was really touched and honored to be a part of that group of kids and faculty and it was I was just blessed by the whole thing and then she graduated and decides to go back for a third year and it made zero sense to me on any level I mean really it didn't but after the last few weeks I'm like it is so amazing how those divine appointments work and how they touch us and how God's got this big old plan that set in, you know, Canyon and I were talking. We went down there last Tuesday, and I'll get into that in depth next week. But last Tuesday, we were, and I was sharing some of my testimony, and he's like, it is so crazy that God was putting all that in place when I was two years old so that I could be in the pickup right now today with you on this trip. And... So that's what's coming, but that's also what's coming today. You know, I was thinking about my good... Come up here, Justin, would you? This guy right here, he's a rock star. (laughs) He is amazing. And, uh, you know, back... He's a little younger than me, but back when we were young, a lot of things happened, and and he went on to be famous, Justin McKee, and I went on to be John Paul, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um. The truth of the matter is we met each other in the driveway in Plevna, Kansas several years ago. 
And that was a divine appointment. And because of it, lives have been changed. And they're continuing to be, and they will continue to be. And I'll never forget, you know, God works in such crazy ways. And the two stories I want to tell about how this divine appointment started is uh, the first one is uh, I had a friend that was wanting to get it, that was wanting to do worship. And I knew that Justin was looking for a worship guy. And uh, so I connected the two, long story short. And I went to the Coffeeville sale, and when I got there, Justin says, uh, there's going to be a guy there named Charlie Hicks. You just get on in the pickup with him and come on down to Lenapaw to church. I'm like, well, I come there to buy cattle that day. He's like, well, that don't matter. You got time. Get in the pickup. Come to Lenapaw. I guess I'm going to Lenapaw. The craziest thing happened that day I got in the pickup with Charlie Hicks, and he just talking... He starts talking about his position and how he was called to be Justin's elder. And it touched me and it moved me and it changed the way I went at ministry because of the way he was telling his story that day. And he grew to be my great friend, but it was that divine appointment. Other story I got on Justin is is that a couple years ago, three I think, we had an event in Coldwater and, and... I had uh, John Godwin came, and we called it the Duck and Pony Show. So we had John Godwin from Godwin from Duck Dynasty. He was the hook, and I thought everybody was coming to see him. But I got to feeling in my feeler that Justin was supposed to close out the service that day. And I asked him, I says, uh, I need an altar call or something at the end of this, and I think that you're the guy to do it. He says, well, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. What do you do? And he started telling me, he said, I think it's such a, it's such a mistake. It's such a travesty that we as church people, we do all that we can to get them to do the sinner's prayer or whatever, to do an altar call. And then we leave them right there rotting and dead in that pew. And we don't do anything about it. And he says, I just don't do that. I'm like, that's what I want you to talk about. I'm going to tell you right now today When he closed out that service, it is still to this moment the most powerful message I ever heard in my life. And the Holy Spirit was upon us, and he, through all of that divine appointment, 200 of us that day got to listen to what we were supposed to hear. So it's no mistake that you're here today, and it's no mistake that my pal Justin's here today. And so welcome him. Thank you. Wow, I've been introduced a few places, but that's uh, that's about the best one ever. That's uh, way more than I deserve, I can promise you that. Thank you, John. Thanks for the great welcome. Is it too loud? Because I may get louder. I have, uh, I've been to a few churches around the whole United States, most of which are cowboy churches, but I don't think I have ever received such an awesome welcome than I enjoyed today. From the highway with two guys a horseback till I sat down here, people were shaking my hand, smiling. 
Oh, that's the way Cowboy Church is supposed to feel like. That's the way. And it's not a feeling. It's the love of God. That's what it was. It was pure. It was pure love. From the moment we pulled off the highway, whatever you're doing, keep it up and don't change, okay? Well, keep it up, okay? <laughs> keep it up. Because I'm big on changing. I'm big on stretching. I, I, I just hate to stay in my granddad's religion. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thankful for him. I learned from him. It was a great foundation. But why should we stop there? Why should we stop? We serve a great big God. And the longer we're here, the more we should learn about this big God. And more our spirit man should grow and expand. Right? Right? Okay, so the further we go into humanity on this time on earth, the more we should hear his voice, right? Yeah. How many of you want to hear the voice of God? Yeah. I, I want to hear the voice of God because every, every time I do, it changes everything. It changes perspective. It changes my confidence. It changes my identity. And that's what we're going to talk about is hearing God's voice. But first, I just want to say not only thank you, but I enjoy coming to Woodward. I have spent a lot of years in this area, uh, mainly uh, at C.A. Lauer's place or Buster Records place. I rope steers. I've tied steers down uh, since I was in college, which was just, just six or seven years ago. But <laughs> or 26 or maybe 30, I don't know. Not very good at numbers. Anyway, I would come out here with the Pro Rodeo every year, and one of my finest memories of, of my roping career was I actually I have a finest memory and a scary memory. I'll try to share them both with you real quick. My one of my funnest memories was when I was a kid in 1995, I filled my permit at the at the Woodward PRCA Rodeo on the steer roping. I filled my permit here. And, I, and so the next year, that allowed me to run for Rookie of the Year. And I mean, I was going to win PRCA Steer Roping Rookie of the Year. There was no doubt in my mind until the first rodeo I went. It was actually the second rodeo I went to in Laredo, Texas. And I saw another rookie that was running for Rookie of the Year. And he tied a steer in 9-5. And I'm going, oh, who is that kid? Who was that kid that just tied that steer in 9-5? And they said, his name is Trevor Brazil great I, I don't have to tell you the rest of the story <laughs> scariest moment happened near here at the woodward rodeo so for years we would go to ca's ca lowers arena out on the highway and then i didn't have a horse for three or four years and then i got another horse and i was coming back to the woodward rodeo to rope out at slack at ca lowers and we topped the hill, and we looked over there to the right to where the arena was, and there wasn't a soul there. Anybody who's rodeoed has had that sick feeling, you know, am I there the wrong day? And that's what I had. I thought, I missed the, is this the right week? And then I started seeing trailers pull south to CA's house, and he'd build a new arena down there within those three years I was gone. <laughs> Scary. Scary. So, Anyway, uh, John Paul, thank you for being one of my best friends and, and for being a, a mentor and a spiritual brother. Man, we have bounced around <laughs> some crazy stuff, goods, crazy good stuff over the years. And uh, it's an honor to be here with your family, with your church family. Um, 
I, I'm just thankful for this guy. He's come a long way. You know, when he started, when he started uh, teaching and, and being a cowboy preacher, I remember one of the first experiences he had at, at the first place that he was a cowboy minister. He was going out and was going to impress this family. He was going door to door. And this one in particular family, dad was uh, through the pasture uh, feeding some cattle. And he had a six-year-old boy at the gate. And John Paul, he walked up there and he's going to visit with that boy while he's waiting on dad. And he thought he'd make a spiritual impression. And he said, son, he said, see those those ducks over on that pond? I said, yeah. He said, you know who created those ducks? The boy said, who? He said, well, God did. And he said, you see them, see them, uh, see them steers over there your dad's feeding? He said, you know who created them steers? The little boy said, Daddy. He said, well, no. He said, da- Daddy didn't. He said, God, God created them steers. He said, no, no, no. He said, God created them bulls. Dad made them steers. All right, let's get on track. I ain't got much time. I want to get you out of here within the next two hours. <laughs> Hearing God's voice is what I want to talk about. Hearing God's voice. Um, I had a guy tell me, be careful talking about hearing God's voice because sometimes that just freaks people out when you say that. Well, that guy was wrong. And if it freaks you out, let me just remind you to be willing to be stretched a little bit. Now, I've never heard the audible voice, but I have a, a knower. I have a knower. I have an unction. I have, I have words that rise up and ideas that come straight from God through my spirit. That's Jesus in me, okay? And I know a lot of you know that. What did you call it? Not your knower, your, your feeler. I don't like that. That's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> this is my knower. <laughs> Let's go with knower. All right. That's my knower. And I'm telling you what, I'm going to share a quick story with you. I was announcing rodeos all over the country, and I got in with this group called the PBR, and I started announcing their events. And, uh, and then uh, one day they bought their own television rights. They invited me to be their host on their television show. And I hosted the PBR for 10 years up until uh, 2010, like from 01 to 2010. I was their television host on all the networks and and it was a great experience. Had to let some big rodeos go. I was announcing Pendleton and, and other Colorado Springs and other rodeos. I had to let go because my PBR schedule was growing. And then one day in that 10th year of doing their television show, I'm in Vegas at the finals, and they hired a new television producer. And this guy wouldn't even look at me, let alone have a conversation. And I'm trying to get a meeting and a contract for the next year. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to me. And every day this would happen. And the first day I thought, what if he doesn't want to hire me back? I've, I don't have very many rodeos left. This is my sole, sole income. And I would just hear this voice say, you're supposed to start a cowboy church in Lenapal. Next day, this guy would ignore me. And I'd, fear would start to grab hold. And then I'd go, wait a minute, I hear a voice. You're supposed to start a cowboy church in Lenapol. So went on four days in a row. Fifth day, I found out he's not going to hire me. Lost my job. I called my wife. I said, honey, I just lost my job. What are we going to do? And we had just bought the 100 acres across the road. We had just doubled the size of our house. Oh, a lot of things like that. She said, what are we going to do? I said, let me tell you about this voice I keep hearing. We're supposed to start a cowboy church in Lenapol. She said, Who, who's going to pastor it? Well, I said, I think it's me. (laughs) 
So the next day she goes to, to church down in Nowata uh, on Sunday, and the, the pastor, a friend of mine, came up to her and said, Jeannie, i got to talk to Justin. Where is he at? She said, well, he's out in Las Vegas. She said, why? Because he said, all this week when I pray, I hear God's voice tell me to tell him to start a cowboy church in Lenapal. That's what he just told me last night. I'm going to meet him for lunch on Monday. Monday morning, another pastor friend of mine stopped by out of the blue, which he never did, but he did that day. I opened the door, and I said, Dean, what are you doing here today? He said, I just got to tell you what I've been hearing in my spirit when I pray for you this week. God said that you're supposed to start a cowboy church in Lenapaw. I about fell down, and I stumbled over to my desk. I sat down, and I got a five-gallon bucket full of mail, full of mail. I haven't gone through. On the very top of that mail pile is a newsletter from the Lenapaw Historical Society inviting everybody to the Old Rock Gym, where the school used to be, beautiful old limestone gym. Renovation is complete, country music show, community invited. I said, Dean, wouldn't that be a great place for a cowboy church? He said, yeah, it's decorated western and everything. So Saturday night, my wife and I went there. We waited for the show to be over, and we talked to the retired couple who had organized this event. And I said, I got a story to tell you. I told them the story that had happened in the last three days, and they looked at each other, and they smiled, and they said, we've been working on this building for eight years. We've got government grants. Our family has donated vacation time. We've been rebuilding for eight years, and now we know why. Here's the key. This is where you're supposed to have Cowboy Church. He got cancer and died within months, and we had church for eight years. In the meantime, God replaced my income with more rodeos. I started doing Extreme Bulls telecast for the PRCA. I started doing the Rust Stock uh, the, the Pro Rustock series on RFD-TV, that's when uh, the Americans started kicking in. I started doing more work with the Road to the American and hosting the American on, on RFD-TV. I started leasing pastures and turning out cows and finding opportunities in ranching, which was my dream to slow down one of these days and do anyway. He replaced everything, and we had a church for eight years until last spring when I wanted to step away. My daughter graduated high school, and I wanted to do more of this and more stuff on Facebook and social media. I heard God's voice. Those men heard God's voice that gave me conversation. Com confirmation. I'm here to tell you, don't let anybody tell you you cannot hear God's voice or that if you talk about hearing God's voice too much, that's just kind of weird. That just kind of might weird people out if you say you hear God's voice. That is a lie because anybody, anybody that is here today can hear God's voice. I heard it. But for a long time, I knew God, but I didn't feel I was worthy to stand up here and tell you about God. Even after we started the church, I didn't feel worthy of telling people about God because guess what? As we got into this teaching situation and ministry situations, guess what? I still failed every day. I still got mad when I, cattle didn't gather the way I thought they should or the trucks didn't show up or the cattle was shrinking too much. I still yelled at my wife and daughter when they wasn't at the right place at the right time to get those cattle through the gate. I still used foul language in the ministry when all hell broke loose with cattle. 
who am I to get in front of anybody and talk about anything about God? It kept me from the ministry up until I had to do ministry because it was blatantly obvious that that's what God wanted me to do because I didn't feel worthy. And then something changed. I read something one day where it said that we have thought, um, we have a thought every second. Our brain is processing uh, colors or things or desires or want-tos or what we're going to do next week every second. And this is what I learned. Almost everything I think about every second is pretty selfish. So you could say that almost every second I am selfish. What is the root of all sin? selfishness so in theory a guy could be sinning every second of every day but I was taught growing up that I had to confess my sins to get favor with God you see I spent most of my childhood and my teenage years running away from God because I kept messing up and I was ashamed and embarrassed and that went into adulthood and I find that most people live in that same horrible place called condemnation and i'm going to tell you something you cannot hear god's voice when we are wallowing in shame and regret and condemnation and unworthiness you can't hear god's voice there and i guarantee you can't but here's what i found out i can sin every second every day i can't remember to ask forgiveness for all those sins. I can't, even, I can't even tell you what I had for lunch yesterday, let alone remember all the things I did wrong yesterday. How am I going to confess my list to God? Isn't he the accountant up there with the list like Santa Claus is checking it off, right? That's what I was taught. But that's not the truth. You see, what I found out I found out that there's something better than condemnation and guilt and fear. It's called grace and righteousness and power. It's called grace and righteousness, and that equals power, and that equals contentment, and that equals purpose, and that equals identity, and that equals the opportunity for all of us to believe that we were chosen to change the world. And that's what we're going to do in this nation, all right? Because I'm going to tell you what happened. God picked me. He picked me like he picked Paul. When Paul was chosen by God on the road to Damascus and said, I want you to take this message of Jesus to the Gentiles because they're going to run this world, and you've got to take it and you show. God chose me just like he chose Paul 2,000 years ago. He chose me today to change the world, all right? I'm telling you right now, it's me. About half of you are clapping because you're being polite. The rest of you are looking for a way out of here and wondering why you even showed up or why I'm here in the first place. I'm telling you, it's me. He called me to change the world, just like he called every one of you to do the same thing. And he's equipped every one of you to do the same thing. Now, all we got to do is to get your knower woke up. All we got to do is get your thinker to believe that you were chosen. Every one of you have been equipped and chosen to change the world. And guess what? Thousand Hills Cowboy Church can do it. This church can do it. I've already seen enough love when I pulled in the parking lot 
and I had walked my way through a line of, of, of greeters that love God and love people with all their heart, soul, and strength that changed the dead gum world. I saw Jesus today when I came here. He was alive in you. He's alive in you. He is, is he alive in you? He's alive in you. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who was perfect to become sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was perfect, so I don't have to. I don't have to remember my sins to confess anymore. Do you know how I pray about sins now? Thank you, God, that Jesus was good enough. Thank you, God, that I'm still a crummy old cowboy, but Jesus was perfect. Thank you, God, for my forgiveness and grace. I don't deserve it, but you gave it to me anyway. That's grace. I started learning about grace. When I learned I fail every second of every day, there's no way I can gain favor with God. There's no way that I can, through works and legalism and church religion, do the right things. It's impossible. It's God's grace. I found in Colossians 2, 38 through 39, that he forgave all my sins. And then I went to all through Romans 8, 9, and 10, and all through Hebrews, all through Hebrews, I started circling where it said A-L-L, all, all. Guess what? I made a lot of circles. I circled that word all over my New Testament, all my sins. And I realized I was forgiven in my past. I've already been forgiven in my present. And guess what? I have been forgiven of my future. It's called grace. That big load I've been packing around start getting light. I started hearing his voice. I started feeling him move. My new identity full of confidence and, and purpose started rising up. And I started to feel his love that was not Justin McKee's love. It was the love of Jesus. Reach out to people that I didn't even like and I loved them. I didn't mean to point to you, John. Sorry. Romans 9, 28. He was sacrificed once and for all to take away the sins of what? The whole world. If they ask forgiveness or not. He did it. He did it. It's just that we have to receive it. Just believe it. Be thankful in it. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I did a funeral for a 27-year-old boy that committed suicide this week. And that's what we stood on right there. Nothing, not even that, can separate us from the love of God. So why did we, how did we get so off track here? How did we get so off track? The more I learned about grace, the hungrier I, hungrier I got for the truth. Now, sometimes we got to go beyond the Bible 
And I started digging through some secular history. And oh my goodness, I picked up a book called The Case for Christ. Get that book if you want to dig. And found out secular history backs up that Jesus was the Son of God. That's fun. I want to hear his voice. I want to dig a little bit. So I found out that the early church, what did the early church do in 200 and 300 after the death? There was a power struggle. And that church wanted to control people. There wasn't, a, no, there wasn't Bibles. Nobody had a Bible. The first one didn't come out for 377 years after the crucifixion. There was no Bible. So where did the people go? They went to the church. Guess what the church wanted to do? They wanted to win the political battles. And guess what? how they did that? Through keeping their thumb on the people. Through, do you know what they used? You know what the greatest tool to control people of all time is? Condemnation and guilt and unworthiness. And that's where it's all started. And I can come back if I ever get to and teach you a whole nother deal. If I don't point, I'm okay. John said, only if you don't point at me anymore. I'll teach you a whole new deal on how that got started. But I'm telling you, it happened. That's how it happened. But I started to feel his presence. The more I felt grace, the more I felt his presence, the more I felt worthy, the more I felt forgiven, and the more I wanted to be a warrior for God. I'm going to tell you something about horse training. I don't know much. I know this. This guy, this guy is great. This guy right here will drive clear to, to, to Wichita to help my daughter in the cutting two days in a row. And, and I can learn more in those two days watching John Paul on a horse than I have my whole life put together. But here's what I know about horse training. You can make them work out of fear or you can make them work out of trust. And those ones that work out of trust. They'll be with you, and you can trust them a whole lot longer than them to work out of fear, and that's the way Christians are right there. We've lived in fear. Religious, man-made religion fear has kept us down way too long because when that happens, we cannot hear the voice of God. I'll tell you something else about horse trainers. The great ones, they're learning something new about horses every day, right? every day you can never learn everything there is about a horse never and that's the way it is with god so don't just be content i know so many people that's just content to have their salvation i'm good i'm good i know i've said the sinner's prayer i'm going to heaven one of these days i'm good i don't need to learn anymore i'm good that's like a horse trainer that can only put a halter on that's it be willing to grow. Be willing to expand. Now, there's some people, when I talk about all-time forgiveness, when I get to talking about righteousness, there's people saying, well, now, and there's some of you you're thinking this. I know there is. That's just a license to sin. Are you telling me if I'm already forgiven, I can do anything I want to do? And the answer is, yes, you can. Are you saying that we can go, we, we, we can go out honky-tonking and, and drink all the beer we want and, and sleep around and, 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 yeah. But here's what happens. There's a lot of us that have stayed away from things that take us down a dark road with terrible consequences, but we've done it out of obligation. When we learn about true forgiveness, 
like I've learned about my grace, I'm in awe of what he did. I'm amazed at what he did. Because guess what? Grace is amazing. And the more I'm in awe, guess what? The more things that I shouldn't do, I don't want to do. Not out of obligation because they said, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. It's because I don't want to, don't want to, don't want to. I want to stay close to Jesus. I want to hear his voice because when I hear his voice, that's when things change. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, right? We've all heard the verse, but let, let me tell you something. Be willing to be stretched because I'm going to blow, blow, I'm going to smoke a holy cow real quick here. I'm going to smoke it. I'm going to smoke it. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. I was with Rope Myers one day, stayed at his house. We were driving down the road and we were talking about this and, th and he changed everything. He said, the word of God is not the Bible. Sorry, preacher. It's not the Bible. The word of God is not the Bible. Because I've, re and, and I've read this book my whole life. And when I read it, sometimes I get faith, but a lot of times I don't, just being honest. But when I hear his voice, when my knower knows it's him, when he gives me an unction, when I hear the word of God, him speak to me, my faith goes through the roof. The word of God is his voice. It can come through the Bible, and a lot of times it does. But a lot of times I'm a horseback or in the tractor when I hear the word of God. And when I hear the word of God and I know he's real, I change. And I run from wrong. And I gravitate to what's right. And I do it for the right reasons. And I do it for the long term. And I do it through passion that people can see. And they say, I got to have what he has. Not just because I go to church and I'm self-righteous and look down my nose and say, don't, 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 don't. Because I do it because I love him. Because he gave me the greatest gift ever, and it's called grace, and it is amazing, and I'm thankful. And the more I say, thank you, Lord, for my grace, the more I want to find out more about it. And then I want to learn about his word. And then here's a funny thing. I found out about grace and righteousness, and I started to understand the Bible a whole lot more. And you read anything Paul talked about, that's all he talked about. Man, I don't have much time. Maybe I'll get to come back. But the Bible says this. There's a, it, it, there's a finished work, and it was finished at the resurrection. It was finished. When he said, it is finished, that means it's done. It's taken care of. I've done all the work for you. It is finished. There's a finished work. Hearing his voice. Only a personal encounter with God leads to a divine transformation in your life. That's it. Not doing the right things because the church says to do this. Divine appointments and encounter is what will really change you. We've been made righteous. And guess what? In Matthew 6, it says, what does it say to seek first? It says, seek first the kingdom of God and what? And his righteousness. I wasn't taught growing up to seek his righteousness. Seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added. 
Because when you seek his righteous, your righteousness, which is his gift of grace, and you're passionate about him, you trust him. And where there's trust, guess what? There's no fear. So everything in life is going to be okay because you trust God. I don't care whether it's death, uh, cancer. I don't care whether it's a car wreck. I don't care what you're going through financially. If you really appreciate with passion the grace God gave you, you'll, your, His love will consume you, and you'll trust Him in every situation. It's not going to mean He's going to snap His finger and take the pain away or fix the problem immediately because we live in a fallen world, but He will get you through tough situations, and you'll know it's Him because you hear His voice amazing it's grace i heard the song my whole life amazing grace never knew what it was talking about until the last couple of years now go listen to that song after today go listen to that song i know preacher i gotta quit i'm just trying to figure out what i'm going to kick out here the key to life is this. I live in a body, but I have a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. But who I really am is the Spirit of God who lives in me. So, I live in a body, which most people see this. Most people live by what the body wants. I have a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions which is what our emotions is what, is what people follow all the time. But when we hear his voice, it's the Spirit of God. It's Jesus inside me. You see, Jesus don't live in me to get me to heaven. That's a plus. Jesus doesn't just live in me. He's alive in me because that's who I am. He is me i am him this is what lives forever it's the spirit of jesus not just to get us to heaven but so we can be alive in christ and if we believe we're worthy believe that he gave us that great gift and then we learn about his love because we can feel him and hear his voice that spirit is what leads and guides us and gives us peace Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will light up your path. Because you're living by the Spirit, man. Not by our soulish emotions, and not by my body. The key to life? Here it is. The key to life. And God gave me this. This is the coolest part. He gave me this revelation. I didn't read it in the book. He gave it to me. I heard him say it. He said, Justin, tell him this. The key to life, everything boils down to this. All you got to do is distinguish which one of these three guys is talking in my head right now. My body, my soulish, emotional man, or the Spirit of God. And there's not anything, anything the life will ever throw at you that if you will, Remember, who's talking in my head right now? Body, soul, 
or God? Because if you can do that, you can answer every question in the universe your whole life and you'll have peace there it is it is amazing grace don't deserve it but he loved us so much he gave it to us anyway let's pray oh lord thank you for the truth thank you for your goodness thank you for your peace through grace and the gift of righteousness that you gave us Lord, I thank you that we can trust you and we can hear your voice. But, Lord, help us separate who's talking in our head. Help us to realize we're worthy, we're forgiven, we're righteous, and that we can hear your voice. Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you for that gift. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you for this new direction you've given us full of hope, full of mercy, and full of power. Help us to live it. Help us believe it. And help others to see the light of the world through us and everything that we say and do from now on. In Jesus' name, amen.